Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about securing the DevOps pipeline with special guest Steve Warren, CTO of Intel Federal. Welcome back, Steve. You are one of my most uh, recurring um, guests on the show. Why? Because security is always the fore- forefront of what's going on now. Yeah, thanks, and, and happy to be here again. So let's talk about, I mean, this month of March, we're talking about DevOps. We're talking about process improvement, um, development improvement. Let's talk about security, why I need to inject that into the development process. So as we see, security is, come, is important for multiple different reasons. Uh, number one, the only way you're going to deliver uh, solid, uh, resilient, secure code is if you build security in. And the earlier you build it into the cycle, both security testing and secure design and secure development processes, the overall cheaper it is to actually deal with the issues that may come up later. Um, this, this has been shown for years. Uh, there was a study done back in the... Uh, the late 90s, early 2000s called return on security investment that showed similar to the old studies around quality assurance that the earlier you build security into your development cycle, the cheaper it is uh, in relation to waiting until the end or waiting until after your product has already gone out. Okay, wait, you just said something. We've known about this for 20 years. We've known about the need for secure development lifecycle for well over 20 years. And back- how are we doing? It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Well, and, and you show, I mean, you, you show me some latest statistics on this. I don't think we're doing very well I as an industry. We, what do you think? I think that one of the things to look at it is if you look at it based on where we were, we've done amazing. The fact that most development companies have security as part of their overall development process where they're doing security testing, they're doing, they've built in some security design principles, they've got security reviews built into the process. Absolutely, we've made a lot of headway, but we're, it's not a one and done kind of approach. There's, this is a journey, not a sprint. Um, and so one of the things that I think is important to understand now is the other thing to keep about in mind when it comes to security and process in general is that it's not a check mark. It's not, okay, we got three security reviews done, we're good. It's about understanding all of the different exposure points and weaknesses and being able to provide the right security processes to apply them to that problem. One of the things we've seen in some of the more recent attacks uh, around supply chain is that oftentimes people think of attacks about, you know, it's a person. So somebody clicked on a link and boom, the malware downloaded or they got a phishing email or it's a vulnerability in some package of someone buffer overflowed or malware took advantage of an ex- uh, a known or previously unknown vulnerability and is able to do some terrible things. People often forget the process part of that story. And there's been a couple of different ways to come at that. One part of the process has been more on the operation side about the time it takes to close vulnerabilities. So if you know that you've got 2000 vulnerabilities across your organization in various different products and you've got fixes coming from all the vendors, how long does it take you to get those implemented? That window of exposure is gonna be the problem space. But the other side is when we look at the development and delivery of products. So how products are built and maintained and the updates and then how they get delivered into organizations. There are various different breakpoints along that chain as well, where we've seen in recent times now uh, can be exploited. And some, some, it could be something like the build process that we see most recently. 
of how that was exploited, the late stages of the build process to insert malicious code into the overall uh, application. And therefore what got updated to all the customer base was legitimate code as far as they were concerned because it came from the right source, signed, packaged and delivered. So that's that DevOps cycle that you're talking about, right? That exactly. Is the big buzzwords of today, oh, DevOps, build cycles, all that stuff. So that's where some of the latest attacks are coming is right at that build cycle. Exactly. And again, people have thought about, well, where do I need to put security into my process? And they sort of look for a place to insert it. Well, we need to have it at the transition from developer to QA or from the QA to, op you know, to operations or from deployment. The problem is that they're looking for a place to throw this thing and then go away. And it really is, it should be about, you know, security at every stage throughout, not just a checkpoint and move on, but it needs to be built into the whole cycle. And so whether you're talking about uh, DevOps, where it should be SEC, Dev, SEC, Ops, SEC, or it's a, a CICD kind of approach, and it should be continuous security. That's the term that I think is missing. I think is right. that is having continuous security being one of those cycles that goes in parallel with the continuous innovation, the continuous development, the continuous de deployment, et cetera. Um, and it's hard, I, I get it. They're, the challenge is that most developers and QA aren't security trained. And we've tried in the industry in the past to train them in security. And needless to say, that was an uphill battle that wasn't easily solved. Okay, wait, you just, you just said something I think is interesting. It's really not the tools or techniques that we have because those are well known, we understand that. It's an education problem that we're really dealing with. That's what you're saying? I'm saying there is absolutely an education component, but there's also the, we, get, we can't rely on the fact that we're, that we're gonna make a developer into a security engineer. I mean, that's a false premise, but we learned that. We tried that in the, in the industry back in the 2000s that we're gonna train all of our developers to be security people. They're, number one, their turnover is too high. And number two, the security landscape changes much too quickly to keep them up to date. And three, that's not their day job. And until you incentivize the programmers to how many security vulnerabilities they closed or how many security vulnerabilities they prevented, you're never gonna incentivize the right behavior. So the challenge is how do we in, in, uh, integrate security into the process, automate the key things we wanna do and get out of the way of the developers to actually do their job, which is build the code, test the code, deploy the code. And this is where security, pro uh, security process really can, can shine is by building security into those automations that you're already doing. So whether it be automated unit testing, automated quality and regression testing, automated build, automated deployment, all those techniques that we've been doing to make DevOps, DevOps, if we take that same approach to applying security, we will get the automation. We'll be able to close a lot of these sort of weak links in the chain. Now, again, as I said in the beginning, it's still a journey. This isn't gonna solve all your problems, but it's gonna raise the bar significantly so that you can focus on the really hard challenges around security and sort of wipe out a lot of the stupid stuff. All right, so I've already noticed some um, common tools that are out there like GitHub will run security checks on all of my Node.js code that I write and on all of the um, packages that I include. So they're already, we're already seeing some of the security being automated for me. Um, I get a notice every, every week hey, this project you're working on in Node.js has these vulnerabilities because you're using these packages and we found these problems. I, I think that's a great feedback to me, but that seems kind of like it's too late. I've already checked in my code. I've already deployed it. I've already released it to the world. 
And that's been the approach for a long time is let's make sure we can at least get the information back in if we can't fix it up front. What you'd like to see is that the developers of those components that Node.js is built upon are validating their code and building security processes in before it ever gets into the GitHub to get back to you to get to your project. Right, so that, that has to be built into my pipeline, my own personal pipeline, right, up front before it gets checked into a, a good branch in GitHub or whatever, right? Yeah, and at the same time, as things get in, this is one of the, the, the areas where a process continues to be a challenge is you did a really good job on your security. And let's say everyone on your team did a good job and then you're integrating into another team and they've got integration with a third team and ultimately a package is created. Making sure that at each stage of those integrations along the way, as it becomes a released product is further checked. It's not just relying that you did a good job, but what happened to, you know, getting visibility into their development cycle and supply chain, making sure they ran the same checks or did their check, or are there differences in the checks that you want to run on your code? Finally, it's then making sure that what actually gets built, and this is a really key thing for what's going on right now, what actually gets built is representative of what was put in. Um, and I think this highlighted one area of uh, process that just wasn't there is the, in the late stage build, once everyone's put their code together and says, click the button for run the script to build the application. By that time, everyone's sort of done their test, so they were done. No one was checking that last, that last stage to make sure that the build server didn't get extra fun bits thrown in for the ride. Well, and that's and, what happened. And that's what happened, right? They, they injected it between build and production. Um, or actually, they injected it after test. After test, right, basically right before the script gets run to build the application. Because so that, that script would also do the automated signing and packaging up for maintenance. It's a whole build process you know, that, for delivery of maintenance updates. So this is interesting because you talked about injecting security into the build process. Sounds to me like we have to secure the build process itself. Absolutely. And I think you'll see a lot of vendors right now, a lot of ISVs and a lot of companies that do internal development are actively taking a closer look at their build process because this is going to be, this is, it's one of those knee jerk reactions. Oh, we got attacked this way. Let's go fix that problem. And so we're going to get a lot of people starting to say, I've got build process security, which is a good thing. But we can't, again, it can't stop there. We need to think more holistically along because all it takes is yet another uh, attack to then highlight another weak leak in the chain. And so I think the focus on the build process was a gaping hole. And I know I've been building software for 25 years. I've worked at a variety of companies. I've worked with vendors across the entire ecosystem. Very few had even considered the security of their build process. Yeah, no one thinks about it. <laughs> now they are. That's yeah, a now, great thing. Okay, so now that we're thinking about it, let's give some practical, all right, what can I do to secure my build process? So some of it is, uh, let's call it the motherhood and apple pie security. That build server is, becomes a critical asset, a critical system in your overall infrastructure. Apply the same kind of rules and, and, and controls to that server that you would for the, the mission, you know, your, your IP or your mission uh, and your uh, core systems for your network infrastructure. So that means making sure you have proper credentials, making sure that you have proper firmware, secure boot, all those techniques to secure the system physically itself making sure you have adequate logging of who's logging onto the system, who's uploading code, having the code that gets checked in there be verified. And then here's where the process thing is. Besides protecting the system from its own compromise and auditing and logging that system throughout its entire life, 
is then building into the DevOps process that as you go through the build, when someone clicks the button, okay, everything's in here, build. And that script, building checks into that to be able to go back and reference checks that have been done in the past to make sure that the end resulting code that's getting pulled into the script is the exact same code that you started with. And here's a fun one. Make sure the script you're using is secure. A lot of people don't even think about the script no, itself about it, yeah. as being the target. But if I build, if I take your script and I modify it to go grab 12 other modules, it doesn't matter how many good modules you put in if the script itself isn't protected. So making sure that you, before you run the script, you verify the script that's going to do the build process, assuming it's a script. It could be an automation tool or something else. Yeah, well, and most, what we're seeing today in DevOps is we're seeing a lot of uh, pipelines. These really complex pipelines are actually defined with a YAML file now or a JSON file or a, or a Python script. So what you're saying is run a checksum on that script. It should be versioned. It should Version, be checked, absolutely. right? And signed. And signed. I like, so I'm signing, checking everything now. The, you just had a whole bunch of complexity for me, I think. I mean, if I'm a DevOps guy, I'm like, ouch, now I got to go do all of this too. But I mean, I guess we have to, right? We have to, but this is also an opportunity. There are tools that will help. So just like we automate the develop, development process, you can build in the automation for implementing these controls and checks. It doesn't have to be manual. Well, Somebody, fact, don't we want it automated because that prevents another, uh, a person from being in the middle of, of messing with your builds, right? Absolutely. But we also want to make sure that there's a human receiving the results. You want to be able to verify and audit that the things are doing what they're supposed to do. But here's one of the things where I, now I know that there will be security vendors that will come out and say, I've got the new DevOps security widget that's going to solve all your problems. And that's right. great. And they're going to, there's a market there. But a lot of the tools you're already using can be extended to be able to provide this capability. Okay. So the things you're already do, using inside your organization to do the continuous development and integration, to be able to do the, the agile cycle and to do these builds and these scripting, you know, automation tools that you find in the, uh, in the Linux world, those can be used. You just add the security automation scripts and the checks into the process. You build that in, into your compile, into your build, into your, your test runs. They can be done. It, what it does, it takes somebody to go step through the build process. And one of the recommendations I've had for folks is unlike in the past where you've got, you know, your requirements, then design, and then you got your developer. And somewhere along the line, someone says, well, we need to have a security person involved. The best practice is to have security involved from day one. Make we this, say, make you know, we've been saying that for years, Steve. Make it part of the requirements definition. Yeah, I, I guess we have to. I, I, I just, I, I've heard this, I've preached it myself, but when do I call a security guy? When so, I get breached, right? Exactly. And you, well, you should be, and this is, I've seen some uh, organizations, much more advanced organizations start to take their security teams and distribute them into the business li lines of business and development teams. So instead of having a central org that you call when things go wrong, that the security team does is takes their people and embeds them in the organization. So they're there for the development cycle. Okay, so if I'm running, if I'm running a more modern development team, I'm running agile, let's say, mm -hmm. then part of my agile team is having a security expert on the team. Absolutely. Um, not just looking at code, but looking at the DevOps cycle, looking at all, all, all the aspects of delivering code out, out the door. So yep. that's where I would inject them in is right with the agile team itself. Yeah, and I would say there's two places you want to make sure to inject. So not just with the team that's going to do the work, 
but there's an infrastructure team or an, an IT operations team that supports your agile process. There should be a security person there figuring out the infrastructure necessary to support a secure agile. Right. And then the one area which is we don't have enough of is the product management folks. So ultimately, before you even get to agile, somebody has gone off and found out what the requirements are, whether it be bug fixes that are prioritized by customers or new features that you're going to add. That requirements definition phase, which is typically run by product management or various different other roles within that space, needs to have a security person involved as well to get the security requirements in before it ever gets to a developer. That makes sense. Okay, you you have just blown up the number of security people I need in my organization. That's what I'm saying. Are there enough security people, are there enough people trained um, to do this? Or is this going to be like one of those other crazy, I need a data scientist and there aren't any, right? Is this going to be the same sort of thing? So I think we're going to see a couple of different things happen here. Um, we are, as an industry, uh, both in government and public sector and in, you know, in the private industry, we never have enough security people, both from the enough people who are trained and capable, as well as enough funding to be able to hire the right people and they're high demand. So there are a couple options. Number one option is, is that we, we need to train the people we have and be able to give them the tools they need. You don't need to have a crypto guru at every step of the process. Okay. But having a PM who is also cross-trained in security and maybe has a CSSP, has, has spent some time in the, in the thick of red teams and is exposed to this, will get him or her thinking about what do I need to do to security. So you don't have to have a security trained specialist at every stage of the process, but having the people involved be educated and trained on security practices and security requirements and security definitions. The other thing that I can see to do a false multiplier inside of companies is where instead of having each coder have to be responsible for coding authentication credentials and protocols that are secure, build an infrastructure library, have a team, whether it's a dedicated team or external team, build you modules that are in your languages and in your environments that do all the security functions, input validation, crypto, login, audit, all of those things as, as mod, uh, objects that then can be consumed. And so your developer doesn't know, have to know what crypto means. They just know that if they're going to do it, if they're going to do a protocol that has data that you need to protect, they pull that module and it, it handles the hard work. And that way you build once and deploy everywhere. I, I really like that approach because that's where we see companies moving is to the re, re, these reusable services um, that can be attached even without a developer knowing. Like auditing, why, why do I as a front-end developer care about auditing, right? But if that gets injected into my services when they get deployed into a production environment, that's what I, that's, that would be ideal, right? Absolutely. And there's, this is one of the cases where we start looking at, when we look at SaaS and we look at uh, you know, serverless or function as a service kind of approaches, this is a really interesting way to be able to inject in security capabilities without having to pre-code them. And so we're seeing companies provide SaaS security tools, cloud-based services that can be consumed for your application and your runtime environment. It's a great uh, step in the process. There are even some security companies, a couple of them were acquired a couple of years ago, so now they're part of bigger companies that provided sort of in, uh, injection points for doing like application security in a fast style environment. And so having uh, application checks like input sanitation, input validation, be uh, in, embedded into your functionalist environment. Those are, happen, but that's still sort of waiting till the very end. That's sort of, somebody else will deal with that problem and hope that they do a good job. 
you still need to be able to get it early enough so that your, your code itself isn't vulnerable or isn't causing problems. And that's where secure development lifecycle comes in. And you need to be able to do that, like I said, at every stage of the process. So it is more work, but if, again, if you think about it, and this is what that study, the RSI study showed, the earlier you start to address security, the cheaper and less painful it is. No, I, you I wait totally to the agree. end, it requires a lot more integration work. I, I think a lot of developers are just afraid of that word. I do. I, I truly believe it. Oh, I don't have time for security. But I like what you were saying. If the framework already exists and I just need to use it, um, then, yeah, I mean, we, we should do that. In fact, I'm starting to see that in um, some of these new um, full, uh, they're called prototype frameworks, like, um, like Ruby on Rails and Sales. And uh, there, there's several of them out there that are including security in those frameworks. So authentication, access, your typical, typical AAA security stuff is built into the framework automatically which has saved me when I'm, when I'm coding up things, that has saved me hundreds of hours of, of work that I would normally do before. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to see some changes in the industry in this, in this space. Yeah, we're seeing this in, uh, in past environments and certain cloud infrastructures where they've built in the security and the compliance controls under the covers so that as long as you're taking advantage of their framework, you get to inherit a lot of that security. And that is, a great, that is again, a great step in trying to get automate the problem and be able to get the developer to be able to do their job without having to become a crypto or security expert, you still want to make sure that your process of using that platform and deploying apps applies security and testing as well. Because if you just rely on the platform to provide you all your security, it's a single point of failure. Well, that, that's a good point. And I've heard people say that also about like cloud, right? Oh, well, the cloud is handling my security for me. AWS is handling it for me or Azure is handling it for me. And no, I mean, they, they're giving you the framework so that you can handle it properly, but you still have to do some work. That's the point. Absolutely. Right? And it's, it's under, also understanding that it's security up and down the stack. So Amazon and Azure are going to do great security for the infrastructure upon which you run, but it doesn't save you from yourself. If you've got a piece <laughs> of vulnerable code that's exposed to the outside world, there's nothing they can do to stop the malicious actor from SQL injecting your database. Um, and unless you specifically build in the controls to prevent that. Okay, this has been very enlightening because we've talked about security from the developer's standpoint. I love that if we inject the security in upfront, um, it's gonna save us a lot of money. Also, we've got to protect our DevOps pipeline. Any additional help for these organizations that are now, now looking at that? I mean, this is the breaches that we've had in the last six months are, pretty profound. Um, so, you know, any other advice you can give them on how to get started even? So I think there are a couple of, of key pieces of advice I would give. Uh, we've talked about security across the whole life cycle from requirements forward, building security into the DevOps cycle itself. So not just the coding and testing and, and development side, but also the infrastructure that drives that, uh, that process. Um, when it comes to actually building security tools and security objects, security modules, Build it once, make it modular, and then deploy it everywhere. Uh, leverage services that give you security. So again, you can rely on somebody else's expertise to help augment the fact that your cyber teams are never going to be as funded as you'd like them to be. And then something I, I always leave people with is automation will set you free. Automate everything. As much as you can automate, 
to be able to make it easier and faster. It will reduce the friction that your developers and testers feel. It will reduce the friction that your security people will deal. If they've got automated tests that they can just populate with the latest checks, that makes their lives easier as well. And so the nice thing about automation is that if you can eliminate the 80% of what we call the stupid stuff, then you can spend your limited resources to focus on the hard problems. I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Steve, thanks again for coming on the show to help educate us on security. I know we're going to have you back. I absolutely know it because we, we got to learn more. There's so much more to learn. So thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you, Darren. It was a pleasure being here today. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and do something wonderful.